I'm right and you're wrong. Once you start labeling people, categorizing of humans and ideas, you have desensitized yourself to the humanity of that other human being, to who they really are. And in the marketplace of ideas, these things are complicated, man. We all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints. A genuine multicultural connection with another. I mean, sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree. You just need to sit with it and digest. Welcome back to Ideas Digest, the podcast where we move beyond agree and disagree yeah. into a new land cam called yes. Understanding. Have you been there? Yeah. It's well, a great... trying to get there. <laughs> it's a great place. My name's Conrad, regular co-host with me, Cam. Yep. What we do... When we hear an idea we disagree with, we always make assumptions about that person. Yeah. We assume they're dumb, conclusions, evil, yeah. irrational. We name call, we run away, but not here. Yeah. No, not here. Here, we make assumptions, yes. But then we talk about them, get to know the person behind the ideas. And most of the time, we find out that they're humans just like us. Yeah. And we can learn stuff from them. And there's often something that, that we can learn from. So whether we agree or disagree, not the point. No, it doesn't matter. Do we understand where the other person is coming from? Today, we are joined by friend of the show, musician and audio engineer, Billy. <laughs> Billy, thanks for joining us. Dude, I thought you were going to throw in there like male model, um, influencer. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll leave that to you. Yeah. But anyway, it's a bit of a humbling intro, but I'll roll with it. Nah, it's, it's great. <laughs> yeah. Humbling is sure. in underrated. You obviously yeah. didn't go to Wikipedia or WikiLeaks, but anyway. No, no. Have you got a Wikipedia page? <laughs> no, I'm not really. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Yeah. We can set one up for you. Billy is joining us from, from Byron Bay, and he's, he's a musician. He, he makes a lot of music. He's a music producer. What else do you do, Billy, other than male modeling? Um, I'm, a, I'm an eco-warrior, so I'm part of a lot of um, ecological conservation campaigns up and down the coast, especially to do with ocean con con conservation, um, biodiversity, and yeah, I play in different bands. I'm, I'm an artist, Billy Otto, little rock band from Sydney, and um, yeah, I tour with different artists. I help to develop artists. And I write music and produce it for a living. Yeah. So I used to be a high school teacher and I used to be a, a, a pastor as well. Oh, pastor as well. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, I used to be a, a seven-day Adventist minister and um, used to be um, a teacher as well. So yeah. What level of quals did you get? Did you get to the, the ordained level or, or the, the, the subcategories below that? <laughs> yeah, well, I've got a Bachelor of Theology and I was on the pathway to ordination. I was probably a couple of years away. Yeah, but I was like okay. a proper full-time on the, on the books minister. Yeah, so legit. Yeah, right. Okay, pretty yeah. legit. All right. Yeah, and some of the best years of my life as well. So I just want to establish that, yeah, part of this conversation, like I'm, I, I really want to honour... All of my heritage, my family, um, want to honor, you know, the community that I've come from. It's it's all beautiful to me as well. So I hope that no one's just getting in here going like ramping up. Oh my goodness, Billy Otto's just going to like rat out on like all, all these past. But I actually, <laughs> I hopefully have like a bit of a, you know, a bit of a reflection and, and a gratitude for where I've come from. And I also want to acknowledge that I'm, I'm speaking to you from Bunjilung country um, in Lennox Head. Uh, I want to acknowledge yeah. elders past, present and emerging and the culture that has lasted beyond 50,000 years is a culture that 
um, is part of my life and part of my heartbeat. And just want to honor the peoples here of the First Nation. So, um, yeah. Cool. cool. Well, thanks it. for that. I think yeah. you've given us a lot of uh, things to go on, who Billy is, what he's doing. And what we're going to talk about, the clickbait title we came up with, to be honest, Billy was a bit of a closed book. I had to kind of like <laughs> go, oh, what can we like just kind of clickbait and, and trigger people in with? And I was like, all right, in and out of fundamentalism. Maybe that'll get some people <laughs> riled up. I don't, I don't know. But we're, we're probably going to dig deep and unpack maybe some of the core ideas there. But yeah. before we do that, I've, I've been listening to Billy and I've just been thinking of some assumptions. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I've got some labels yeah. that I need to... Yeah, I mean, he lives in Byron Bay right now. He so. lives in Byron Bay. Let's, so, let's so Billy, he's there. probably on mushrooms, probably drives a van. <laughs> whoa, whoa, that's our job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's making assumptions about himself. So what we're going to do is we're going to play a game. We're going to think up all the assumptions we can based on who you are and, and what you're going to talk about. Yeah. In a simple yes or no, no nuance, you get to clarify whether that's an accurate assumption or not, okay? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yes or no answers. I'm getting ready to be placed on your spectrum, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm going to... Yeah. We've got all the we're boxes box you all on the table and yeah. we're dropping, dropping Billy into... You are a mammalian brain and so I just want you to feel safe, you know, that you can trust me <laughs> oh. as a tribal citizen. <laughs> yes, yes. I need to place you in a tribe so that I can feel safe. That is what we're about to do. So, Billy, here's what we're going to do. Uh, assumption number one, I've heard a lot of inclusive language. I've heard... That you've been come from a pastor it doesn't sound like you're a pastor now. You know what? Are are you just some wishy washy, don't know what you believe kind of guy? Um, no. Oh, all right, all right. He's yeah. not. Okay. So, uh, what about? Uh, here's another assumption. What about? Are you caught up in your feelings? Like you run your life by how you feel. Well, he's about an artist, things. right? Surely. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, no. No. Some artist you are. <laughs> but yeah, I'm giving you like really black and white statements. I think there's a lot of grey, I think. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah no, yeah. You, you, you're nailing it. <laughs> you're doing right. You're doing no, right. No, no, we thing. don't want the grey here. That's later. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to the grey in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> We're just getting everyone. Even a yes is like a paradox for me. Like there's, there's truth. There's truth in the grey. But yeah, I won't go there for now. Let's stay We're, black and white. We're triggering Billy right now. Yeah. We yeah. want to build, bring everyone into this discomfort. Yeah. And then we can move from it. Yeah. So, Billy, you're not, you're not logical. You must be an illogical kind of guy. Um, no. All right. Uh, this has been flagged. Um, <laughs> like you live in Byron Bay. Like I grew up near Byron Bay, so I know its reputation. You must be some sort of a heavy drug user. I'm Surely actually, just a shroom every yeah. now and then. No. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, you mustn't fit in down there. <laughs> like, I'm open to it, but like, I actually, I, I've, I, I've, I've actually never done hallucinogenics in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, okay. all right. So, this might, that might lead on to the next assumption. Yeah. You're a hippie then. No. No, but he doesn't do no, drugs. I'm actually yeah. not a hippie. There was um, a pause there, though. Do you want Do you want me to expand on any of these these questions, or not for now? Nah, not 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 yet. now, not <laughs> yet. We'll give you a chance later on, but not yet. <laughs> I'm just waiting um, for someone to tap out, like an old youth leader, and to tweet about this, and for it to go viral. You know? <laughs> oh, that's what I, we hope. That's, we hope that's the plan. <laughs> <laughs> any 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 publicity is good publicity in my book. <laughs> 
All right. So we've established that you're not a drug user. You're not a hippie. But yeah, that's you weird. have to live in a van, surely. Surely you live in a van. I actually don't. <sighs> so he's wow. in Byron Bay. He doesn't do drugs. He's not in a van. What the hell are you doing <laughs> there, mate? Okay. Last one. And I'll be honest. This was a fair assumption. I, I know you a little bit, Billy. We, we go a bit way back. And I was like, yeah, Billy, he's a bit of a like an artist guy. You know, I, he's always late. Like, I bet he's not even going to rock up when we've said, like, 11 o'clock. I bet he's going to be late. And I'll let you answer this one. Are you always late? No. <laughs> and that's true. Yeah. <laughs> it was dead on. So, yeah. uh, egg on my face. Yeah. My assumption yeah. was proved dead wrong. Yeah. How silly of me. So, we've taken the time. We've come up with some assumptions about Billy based on who he is, where he's where living. Where he lives, all that sort of stuff. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. There was a lot of no's. Yeah. A lot was, of no's. So I normally, they were all no. I think they yeah, were. They were. That's like true. Zero from five or six. So if we just went away with our assumptions, we'd have not really. We wouldn't know any much, anything about any Billy. anything about Billy. Yeah. So now we throw it back to you, Billy. Here we're we're going to talk about your journey and to short form it in and out of fundamentalism. Your kind of journey mapping from where you started to where you end. Let's go with like so called spiritually in this realm of like how you live and operate in the world back then and now um we'll just throw it over to you what do you what do you kind of want to clarify in the questions above and and where what's your starting point yeah whenever i'm asked about what i am or what i not what what i'm not actually get quite a quite a bit triggered and i think it's because i believe that humans are meaning making machines we are literally meaning making factories and it's like i think that evolutionary evolutionarily we we have come to a point on, and, and part of our evolution has been that we need to classify people from different tribes and there's certain classification points. And so when someone's like, are you a Christian? Are you not? You know, it's kind of like, I can just see that more often than not, they're trying to figure out if I'm a safe human within their paradigm. And so, and that's, and so, and that's the funny thing. There's assumptions about moving to Byron or, oh, so you move in a barn and you have a Volkswagen transporter. And so, yeah, you must do mushrooms. Um, you must live out either then. You're probably polyamorous. Um, you probably space travel on ayahuasca journeys. Um, um, you know, there's so many assumptions. Um, you probably walk right around naked in the rainforest and, and do rituals. No, like I don't. Like, um, <laughs> <laughs> It'd be more funny if you did though. <laughs> I go to bed at nine o'clock. Yeah. I wake up at 5.30, I do meditate, I do read, um, I pray, um, and I'm still connected to my church community. Um, and I think I've just come back to this this sense of like, I, I am just conscious awareness. Like, I don't even Ooh. like to say that I'm a Christian or I'm not a Christian or I'm a mystic or I'm not a mystic. Like, I'm just a curvature of consciousness connecting with you. And I think there is one field of consciousness. And the only thing that's taken us away from connecting together is our ego. And so daily, I want to be intentional about what does ego death look like for me today? And how can I come back to my heart and use logic and, and, and operate from my heart and be intuitive, but not lose my connection to nature? And so I think for me growing up, you know, I've grown up in, in oh. a very conservative Seventh-day Adventist home. My mom is an ex-Muslim, became a very fundamentalist Adventist. My dad grew right. up in a very conservative Adventist home where he was a missionary's kid. 
my grandfather, my namesake, was a very famous Adventist evangelist, and he died in the year I was born. And so I come from a deeply um, religious and dogmatic and creedal heritage. And parts of that is great, but parts of that have, have caused some, some programming that I've had to deconstruct and, and learning to, to be curious again. Like, I feel like me being programmed to think that Jesus didn't come because of the sins of his people. Like World War One, World War Two could have been stopped if God's people were faithful. And so I think I grew up with a lot of guilt. I think I thought, yeah, my body is very sinful. And I, I have a carnal yeah. mind that is enmity against God. And, you know, I... So lead us into that childhood and that upbringing and that worldview that I guess you used to occupy. And then walk us through the things that you started to question or think differently about. So you grew up... Uh, within what, a relatively conservative uh, Christian group? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some of you are listening. I can see crew that are, are calling in um, that are from outside Christian circles. So I grew up in a Seventh-day Adventist home, which um, is, is a breakaway from <laughs> yeah. the, the Baptist community from back in America. And one of the founders was Ellen White. Um, our community is very big about Sabbath keeping, so a Saturday sacredness, very similar to the Jewish so tradition. Like, Jewish and baptism, just like, yeah, essentially. Um, And I wouldn't say that we are, you know, like Mormons or Jehovah's Witness, but we have a lot of cultural connections to more sectarian things. And the majority of Adventism does see themselves as a remnant, which means sanctified and consecrated in a special way outside the Christian body. And so, so like if, if you're an Adventist and you're saying you're the, the special chosen ones, the remnant and everyone else is, is not part of that special chosen. Is that the kind of idea of remnant? Yeah, they're fucked. (laughs) So it's kind of like, I grew up thinking that I had to even like lie when I was even going to a Pentecostal youth group. I didn't tell my dad (laughs) because of how much shame there was about, oh, what he literally said to me, why are you even going? Like you're going back to Babylon. Like, why are you going? And so there's so much fear and I'm like, oh, I'm trying to be part of this remnant, but yeah, right. they've got cooler music and cooler haircuts and their youth pastors wear skinny jeans. Like, <laughs> They're of very course, cool. like, I, and all the cool girls go there too. And, and I get to play oh. music there. And so, so yeah, I'd go oh. to a different church and, but there was so much shame around that. And like, if yeah. I ever ordered a pizza on a Saturday or ate bacon, like I was literally ostracized socially from my family. Like... My dad wouldn't talk to me for weeks, you know, it's kind of, so yeah, deeply like religious trauma from my, from my end. Rules based and a strict code of adherence that said you're in and you're out. And these are the things you do to be part of the in group. But not just in a church community, but actually in your specific family as well. Yeah. So. So was the church community that you were in. Was that similar to the the kind of legalism you found within your family community? Yeah, I feel, I don't know, like, I feel like I was in a a more of a a stricter family than a lot of other families. I felt like in my family, there was a really visible demarcation line in the sand. It's kind of like, yeah, these are the lines, but we would all kind of rebel in our own ways. My brother and I were playing in punk rock bands in high school. Um... You know, I was still kind That's of... That's definitely not allowed. I was kind of <laughs> hooking up with girls, but certain things were okay. Like, I could still, like, make out with girls when I was 14, but, but as long as they weren't going to make me Pentecostal. <laughs> it was just... <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it's kind of like, I feel like in my family, 
as much as my family is very loving, like I want to like honor my mum and dad. My mum's still one of my best friends, yeah. but it's kind of like, but I feel like going to our church, Conrad, that we grew up in, we were in a bit more of a liberal Adventist church, but we played a lot of Hillsong music. We went to Hillsong conference, so, but we were an anomaly. And that's what I see. Like right. when I've traveled as a missionary to South Africa or, or to Africa, to, to Eastern parts of, of Africa, to South America, all over the States, all over Europe, like... I feel like the majority of the population of Adventism believe in real remnancy, like escapism, right. eschatological narcissism, like, like literally you are God's, the apple of God's eye and everyone else, you know, is God's children, but kind of not, you know, there is this separation. Right. There is this very strong creedal duality and, you know, and, and that, that, and that when I actually became very conservative Adventist for a couple of years, my, I was so primed and so lubricated to think about people as people that I needed to save. And so I had that real missionary heart of how can I win this person over? I'll go for a surf with them, but I'm going to leave them a steps to Christ pamphlet. You know, right. I definitely had that right. mindset. And so I think it was very clear to me that I was existing for another world, for another planet, for another kingdom. And so it wasn't and about And that's the now. what you mean by this escapist. You're saying this escapism of being like, we are God's chosen people. Jesus has died to save us. And our purpose here on earth is to save other people and get to heaven. Kind of like get off this planet. First plan is to just yeah. get, get off the planet and, and go to heaven. Yeah. And so like, I honestly didn't give a shit about factory farming or about um, the burning of the Amazon. Or plastic pollution because, you know, like my home, like there was literally a song that I used to sing with my sisters and my brother and my dad. This world is not my home, I'm just passing through. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? There's just like this, this sense of like, we are these pilgrims that are living for another world that isn't here. And Jesus came down here to take us there. But I feel like with that comes this thing of like a lack of presence and a lack of a connection to here and to now because your whole theology is based around a future event, a second coming, a second advent. Yeah. And so... um, Yeah, so what I'm hearing is that you like, you're focusing so so much on a future something that you can't... fully articulate but there's you know that there's something there and you it's something that you're striving towards but like you're cocking up the universe down here like you you're destroying the universe that we live on yeah. like this earth that we live on right now um and you just saw a bit of a disconnect between yeah. that and didn't sort of sit real comfortably with you yeah man that's that's the thing like i think disconnect cam is a beautiful way to put it because i think now yeah. when i reflect on that journey i think what was missing was oneness and a sense of essence right. and a connection of all things. And I think, honestly, when I read Eckhart Tolle and some of these more mystic authors that reflect on the Gospels, I think that Jesus was actually... Um, he's been interpreted in different ways, Jesus has, but I think a, a big thing that was missing from Jesus' emphasis was, Father, they may be one as we are one, and this this connection right. to each other... Um, and this connection to the planet that I feel was missing from my theology completely. And so do you think the escapist theology, so to speak, the one that says heaven is our true home, this earth isn't, do you think that 
was directly responsible for your lack of care about the planet and the environment and social issues like that? Would you yeah, make that man. connection? Because I think that's the thing. Like, even when it comes, to, it's not just ecology. It's not just um, eco-custodianship. It's also <clears throat> philanthropy because, like, yeah, like, um, some people call me a greenie now. I try to live waste-free. Like, I'm part of these big campaigns against fossil fuel companies now. And, but, and, but I've also been really involved in mental health um, work, especially with young men. And that's a big part of my messaging when I tour with some of my guys. But I feel like both of those things were missing from my Christian experience when I was younger, just because why would I even really care about my friend who's going through depression? Like, I'd, I'd care about him, but my emphasis is that he would be saved. Like, I'm not going right. to get him to, yeah. I'm not going to go with him to AA meetings or to take him through depression recovery. Like, I want to take him through Bible studies. And I think, I did care about right. him being mentally healed as well. But I'm like, if he can get saved and God can heal his body and his mind as well. Like, I think, it, you know, but my emphasis. That's, that's, that was more important to you. Yeah. That and there I'm, was like, yeah. that you get to heaven as opposed to like fixing the, the problems that, like alcohol, for example, if he's like struggling with it, alcohol addiction, you're like, don't worry about that. Have a look at this Jesus guy sort of thing and yeah. let's get you to heaven sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, man, like when Titanic's sinking, you're not going to be sitting around talking about your emotions. You're like, fuck, get me on a lifeboat. Like, <laughs> yeah. get me out of here. And that's okay. when you, Jesus, yeah. in a conservative mind, like he could come in any month. Like in Adventist theology, probation hasn't closed yet the noah's door is still open i was so deep dived on this thing right and so go deep dive let's do it we like because like within the judgment within adventism it's like we have this short period of time right now to repent and and jesus is doing his work in the heavenly sanctuary up above it's it sounds so esoteric and right. so cosmic and and like, <laughs> as we pray he's he's giving our prayers to the father there's this like illustration that we have but there is a time coming when Jesus is going to leave the most holy place and he's going to come to earth. And when he steps out, if you haven't made a decision, you're lost forever. All right? Game oh, over. Right. And so yeah. if you really love your neighbor, if you lo really love your friend, your neighbor as yourself, as Jesus says, the golden rule, you will do anything that they would at least know or hear of the gospel, that they would hear of the good news of the father. Um, yeah, right. more than anything. And so, then, mm. it, just in case there's some listeners there, like, what does your out mean? Like, what did that, what was your understanding of, like, Jesus steps out of that, that place of judgment, so to speak? And what do you do to get in? Yeah, what did it look like? What's the alternative? Like, yeah, the alternative is to hear the everlasting gospel. And so, in the book of Revelation, Revelation 14, 6 through to 12, I think it is, Revelation has a message called the Three Angels Message, and that is. The, the, the uh, consolidating of, of the messaging of Scripture, which is to fear God and, he, God and to give glory to Him and to receive the gospel. But it's the true gospel because I think Adventists believe that, you know, other Christians might be talking about the gospel, but, it, but it's a tainted gospel. It's a fractured gospel. Right. Um, it's not the so right one. It's right. not the right one. So it's like, sorry, buddy, if you're a Baptist, if you're a Lutheran, if you're a CCC or you're an so AOG, damn close, but it doesn't yeah. cut the mustard. Just missed it by that much. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, and so, yeah. So, you know, like I lost so many friends, man. Like I cannot, it's, it's even a bit paralyzing to think about. And I know that I was doing the best that I could. And, 
And I don't want people to leave this conversation with me going like, oh, he's just trashing it. It's just like, I'm trying to pull it apart. And I think I've been yeah, able to redeem yeah. the gems of that as well. Like there's so many things and I want to unpack yeah, that later. Yeah. Things that I take, take away. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Do you think that sense of urgency and that sense of, I need to help and save as many people to get off this sinking Titanic as quickly as possible. Is that what, supposedly led you like did you dive deeper then into this like more fundamentalist worldview that was very much more like if you are not an adventist you are not saved yeah essentially i think there was always that caveat to come back to of like yeah but but god 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 knows your heart and so because i'm like there's like there's more than like seven billion people in the world like wait a minute like how can how can this gospel, what if people yeah. die? And it's like, oh, yeah, but Jesus knows their hearts and he knows the light that they've been given and they've been faithful to that light. So it was, there was a bit of a conflict there as well, but I definitely right. believed that I was in Noah's Ark. I definitely believed that. Right. I would step into yeah. a conservative Adventist church with my suit on and that gross 80s carpet. Fat tie? No skinny jeans? No skinny jeans. I'd just walk in and I would feel <laughs> this sense of comfort, security, Oh. And almost like a fabricated ground of being. Like I felt really grounded and because I felt safe. Wow. Because I absolutely yeah, right. knew what was the truth and what wasn't. I absolutely knew. And that's the sin of certainty. That's the Pete right. Inns stuff right there of like, yeah, right. because I so clearly knew about the cosmos, about eschatology, about heaven and hell, about theology, hermeneutics, six-day creation. I fully knew the whole timeline the linear timeline of history like i was safe because right. i knew the truth and so my yeah so i i would i would read my bible an hour a day every day i didn't masturbate for six years like i didn't i didn't look at porn for seven years like i i congratulations remained, yeah. i remained a virgin till i was 30 right and so it's kind of like i was so on this arc of like yeah this is the way and i like deeply programmed still very much myself but I think there was just a lot of fear for me because I couldn't, I, I'd go to bed thinking, man, there's still people to be saved, you know? <laughs> um, right, so yeah. that's, that's an interesting like dichotomy you pull out there that's, that's saying you, ha- you experience this overwhelming sense of safety and security. And it seems to be coming from like, there's a lot of unknowns in the world. How do we get here? What is consciousness? What are we doing? What happens after you die? Are there things such as spirits and there's these immeasurable things? Does science have all the answers? Even science says no, but we're trying to find them out. Yeah, yeah. And did your theology then cover all of that uncertainty so any question about what happens when you die the cosmos is there a god was your theology a direct answer to any unknown yes yeah and that made you feel very safe that was yeah but it sounds like it also gave you the other side of the coin sounded like a lot of fear and perhaps if you stepped outside of those boundaries although that that box then you were exposed to you know, being left out of the kingdom, so to speak. If you, if that, what comes with that certainty is that necessity to then go, well, other people need this exact same certainty because in that belief system, if you're not in, you're out. But then it, it, it seemed to give you a, a heightened sense of fear that then did that drive you even further into the legalism and fundamentalism? Yeah, man. Like 
my my fundamentalism legalism patch only lasted really for like three years and then i became like cool adventist again and so well, <laughs> tell us about that <laughs> like, cool adventist. i was I like, like this, guys i think i was one of those whole year <laughs> like i was knocking on doors giving pamphlets to people trying to get bible studies living in melbourne as a bible worker living in america studying at david ashwick's school in detroit at the time and i was like fully on this train but I think I began to see more and more that, yeah, that there was a bit of a disconnect. Like there was a, a, an unrest that I had. It was almost like it was too hard because I did have perfection in my mind. Like I, I kind of was so far to a point of like the, the grace of God and the message that I believed meant that I could nearly be kind of perfect in a way and that I wasn't going to be able to sin. And, and I think that kind of gave me a lot of anxiety and then I be, and then I kind of went back to like more liberal theology that was more grace based, and I think that that was something that gave me what felt like a bit of liberty at the time. But in that faith camp, also has its own problems and has its own fear, and still believes in kind of a heaven hell kind of spectrum, and yeah. Oh. And so I kind of dropped like the suit and tie thing, kind of dropped the conservative speaking gigs. Picked up the skinny jeans. Yeah, I went to Avondale College. They make me he- made me heaps liberal, you know, and um, <laughs> and <laughs> no, but um, basically, I think I just made more of an emphasis on like Jesus and and giving your life to Jesus right. and and the changed life. So I came back to more of a simple gospel and. A lot of the end time stuff kind of became a bit wishy-washy. And so what's interesting to me is your transition through these stages. And I'm wondering if there's like a gateway drug idea or, or question that you are asking that it's, I feel like I've mapped it to being like this, this certainty that you had that gave you safety also gave you fear that drove you further into the rules and the yeah. fundamentalism that gave you more answers, but then more fear. What then led you out of that yeah, into, yeah. I guess, the more cool skinny jeans Adventism that was a bit more open? What, what kind of deconstructed you from that? 2015, I actually toured the world by myself. And so I'd already been like a full-time Adventist teacher and chaplain. And I think from being a chaplain for a couple of years, I began to see that there was some toxic um, mental paradigms and certain energies. I was just like, something doesn't make sense. Like, why, why are people so fearful of each other? And why is there such a ju- judgmental outlook and perception of my fellow man, like, in a, in a staff room? Right. Like, where does this come from? But I, I traveled the world. I went to, like, 30 countries playing music in Brazil and in Spain and Germany. Like, I played so many shows. It was the best year of my life. And So just pause quick for a second. Were you saying that, like, there's this distrust of fellow man within your w- Christian workplace? Oh, Is that yeah, something man. that started totally. to make you go, oh, like, what's up? Like, in that world, man, like, and like, I was in a school, for example, where, yeah, there's Adventists that work as staff and then there's non-Adventists. And so already the Adventists are kind of concerned about the non-Adventists. But within the Adventist circle, there's certain circles, right? There's inner circles, outer circles. Within the Adventist circle... <laughs> There's also non-Trinitarians, and so the anti-Trinitarians. And are they the super fundamentalist Very ones? fundamentalist, very to the sacred text of Ellen White and the Bible, like ex- extremely. Um, but We've got to get one I of was kind you know of, send them our way. I was kind of dancing in that world a little bit because of my brother and certain worlds that I was in, and so I lived in so much fucking panic because I was getting dubbed a non-Trinitarian when I was working in an Adventist school, 
and I got threatened that I was going to lose my job, but I'm like, I didn't do anything. And so I, I, I lived in fear for like two and a half, three years being scared that people were going to know that I was Adventist and that I was going to be classified as an outcast because I'd come from a, the cool surfing, uh, the, the cool speaking circuit. And now I was like, I don't know if the Trinity's in the Bible, but then, oh my goodness, like I can't lose my community. And I would get these phone calls from a conference president being like, what do you believe? And dude, it was like, I felt like I was in like a bit of a concentration camp. Right. Wow. So you're in this like highly fear-based, like it, now it's making sense because at the top of the show you were saying it really triggers you when people start like leveling accusations yeah. at you and it's yeah. a yes, no, we really put you in the war zone, war zone type <laughs> flashbacks yeah. right there. Yeah. Because from your, from your experience, you're in this world where you were Adventist, then too fundamentalist for the mainline Adventists. Yeah. And you've always, the thing that has determined whether you are in or out, accepted or not, saved or not, has been what you quote unquote believe. And if you believe, a, if your doctrine is you too the fundamentalist, right things, it's okay. Yeah. yeah, you're going to lose your job. Yeah. If it's too skinny jeans, you're going to lose your job as well. Yeah. So I can see a sen- sense of like ang- anxiety around like this idea of what you intellectually think yeah. uh, is the picture of the universe, your beliefs. Yes. Yeah, man, like 100%. It's kind of like there's so much classification back and forth. And basically for me, I was constantly in this conundrum of like, I'm not liberal enough. I'm not conservative enough. And now even in the non-Trinitarian world, I'm not non-Trinitarian enough. And I didn't get the same accolades that my brother got because he was more in it. And there was all these things that was so tribal. Um, at the same time, I'm kind of haunted from like two years before that, when I was like thinking about leaving Adventism, my mum told me that my dad wanted me to change my last name. Like, that's how in it my family is because of how much curse that would bring on the family. Or, like, just how much shame, more so shame than a curse. Because of the non-Trinitarian type stuff? Oh, it was a bit of that. It was also, but even before that, with Pentecostalism. And so, yeah. And, like, and so my intuition at this point was, like, I would feel like, oh, the end times is the full thing. And then I'm like, my intuition would say, oh, but now it's, like, the more liberal thing is. But then my intuition would go, oh, now... I think it could be non-Trinitarian. Like, I didn't know how to find my right. compass. Oh. And I, it was almost like this collective moral intuition of like, maybe I'm being a coward about theology that isn't popular. And so there was even more fear with that. And so I was just like... So as you're moving through ideas and you're exploring what you understand of your theology and those sorts of things, you're not... Like you're moving around in your ideas and you're finding that there's not space for that movement within that structure or that organisation of religion. Would that be an accurate description of your experience? Yeah, for sure, man. Like, Because I, I think my, my colonial capitalist Western mind, the way that I've been wired is like, I'm either right or I'm not. I'm either in or I'm out. Right. And that polarisation... Mm. Like, I didn't want to be on the losing team and I didn't want to lose my salvation. Right. Yeah. And so it it sounds like there's this interesting interplay as well between 
the beliefs and the ideas that you had about what was right, what was wrong, what was in, what was out, this interplay between you personally and your immediate community. It, it, it sounds almost like you would put something out there and then the compass would be like the social circles being yeah. like, oh, well, they said that's wrong and, and this is too far that way. It's this interesting, like did your social circles at all really play into this back and forth with what's right and what's wrong? A hundred percent. I remember talking to my brother-in-law, Matt Potts, and I was just kind of like, man, like, why did you tell me this stuff? I was with my brother and him and they were telling me this end time conspiracy stuff. And I was like, I knew what I had to give up now, my whole rock and roll future. But it was so clear. It was like Muhammad receiving that vision from Allah. It was like, it just came to me and I'm just like this, this is the truth. This is the truth. And I knew it. it was, and that's, that's the thing with moral intuition, man. Like that's why I've had to like reprogram and deconstruct because so many times in my life, I knew without a doubt that this was the truth. Um, even though it wasn't, it wasn't really mingled with science and it wasn't mingled with, you know, wider informed minds. Cause that, that, that goes to my question. Like what gave you all of that like that clear certainty in in those ideas mm. like because you say that it wasn't science it wasn't other thinkers or other things like you just knew within can you explain like can you explore that yeah. a little bit well i think honestly i think humans have simple minds and simple minds look for simple answers you want to find simple scapegoats right. simple narratives simple um people to demonize simple gods you know, and so I think for Just me, brain shortcuts. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like if I can find out, it's the same with the environmental world. Like you can go like, let's all hate Scott Morrison right now. And so, oh, look, he signed up all these exploration rights to like different fossil fuel companies. Let's hate on him now. And it's just kind of like we want to find a scapegoat. And I feel like for me, right. that kind of thinking of like, if I can find what the true thing is, like those those three different creeds that separate me from everyone else. And if I can find the right scapegoat and a simple narrative. Yeah, I think I think because there's security if you can if you can clearly co cohesively know um, the right tribe. There's so much security, and so I think it's right. like, right. yeah, man. I was not in a place where I could deal with the unknown and just with simple childlike curiosity. I think it's probably just from where I grew up, potentially in my environment. Um, I wasn't taught to read science books. I wasn't taught to read history books. It was like, read the Bible, um, read Ellen White, um, go to church on a yeah. Saturday. We program you, get on that freaking conveyor belt and, and believe or get yeah. out. It was that simple. Where I've come to now is that I think um, tribalism um, leads to polarization and leads to demonization. And right. I think... I think all those things are connected. I think you can get so safe within your tribe. Conrad, we've talked about tribalism a lot and it's so powerful. If you can find yeah. the right gods and the right enemies. And when I was surrounded by people like my brother and different people, like I felt so safe and, and that, that empowered yeah. me so much in my belief system and increased the volume of my conscience, like beyond the Richter scale. Did you find that healthy, that and safety? In, and in what context are you using the word conscience? Oh, I, I think it's kind of like, and that's the thing, conscience or like, let's say, let's call it intuition. Because I think when I think okay. about like the end times or the non-Trinitarian 
message within theology or whatever, I, I would just feel like it was a conscience issue that although I'm going to lose friends, I'm going to lose church people, I'm going to lose speaking opportunities, it's actually God spoke to me on this. And so I've got to take on this path and follow that conscience, even though there is a lot of shame involved from my world. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But then when you're amped by people around you, I think it, it gives you that clarity of like, no, but it's worth it. And you've got like your crew tr- cheering you on. And it's kind of like, I'm ready to go fight. Yeah. I'm ready to go fight in the crusades against Saladin. I've got the people around me. I've got the brothers. The Pope has blessed me. Yeah. It was that kind of thing. And I think throughout yeah. history, it's always been there. Yeah. Treats it more like warfare than connection with people. So that so you were you were saying that it was in like this staff room working in a Christian school that you noticed this division constantly between people. Your position and belonging to the tribe was always in question. And and that was something that started to have something inside of you. And then you're about to talk about you traveling the world and, and what began to shift. Yeah. I'd studied teaching, I'd studied theology. Um, I was a little bit at this point kind of, yeah, like I, and I love studying theology and at, you know, when you study theology, you study Greek and Hebrew, you study, um, history, um, you study a little bit of psychology, um, loved it all. And I think it actually planted a seed when I was at university that like the scholastic world is actually awesome. Like when I was outside university, I, I, we'd use terms like don't go to theology school because they teach a high criticism there and like you're going to go beyond the bible <laughs> and you're going to yeah. you're going to read Whoa. from theologians that are not adventist you're even going to read Uh-oh. from people that believe in evolution it's like oh my goodness not a good one that one <laughs> the gateway drug there was a gateway drug there was different ways to read the book of revelation i was like drop the drop the front door you know it's just kind of like it was just like, yeah. no way, you cannot question. But then little by little, it started whispering in my ears, these things of like, yeah, there's different interpretations of these chapters of Re- Revelation. Is it literal or is it spiritual? Yeah. Are those numbers literal or is it spiritual? And so what made that input stick? Like some people would be listening and saying like, I mean, old you would have been like, yeah, other people read Revelation that way, but it's wrong. It's wrong. Like it's what stuck, right way. what got in there and like penetrated your mind in the sense that you went, oh, but what if? Like what was yeah. the turning oh, point? Oh man, that? there was so much cognitive dissonance for like the first two years. I was just kind of like, yeah, delete. And I would just move on. I'd just be like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, I'm just here to get my ticket so I can pass to God's church. That was it. Like, I didn't, like, I was just like, who is this guy? He's got a pot belly, like too much wheat bix. Like, <laughs> you know, what does he know <laughs> with his three PhDs? There's so much ego, like so much pride. And I'd fully classified him as like not part of my tribe, even though he's part of my denomination. And so. Interesting. Yeah, man. So like, it was like, yeah, but little by little, I began to see like, oh, there's, these readings were amazing. I had to read so much in those couple of years of my life. And you didn't want to speak too much and just be annoying about your conservative stuff because you still wanted to kind of get a job at the end of the day too. So I think a part of me was kind <laughs> yeah. of like, I don't want to be like ridiculous. I had so many weird views going in there. Like I didn't believe that women should be ministers. I didn't believe, you know, yeah. certain things about Jesus in his humanity. There were certain theologies that were quirky about me already. But, um, but yeah, man, but I think reading so much, I began to fall in love with reading scholastic articles. Like I love 
history, theology, psychology, sociology, anthropology. Like I'm, I'm so into it. Like, and that's one of the reasons why I love reading yeah. Sapiens because it's like everything that I was kind of hinting at at college. Sapiens is all of that. It's all of those disciplines. Sapiens, the book by Yuval Harari. Yeah, great read. The thing is, it's like, even if I was to read that, to say that to the world, again, another classification that I'm not in someone's tribe, another ticket gone. But at the same time, right. even Yuval, like, I don't have to believe everything that's in there. I think most of it's great. But the thing is, even Yuval would say that what's made Sapiens such an incredible um, race and why we've come to the, to the tipping point of like the, the, the dominance patriarchy or hierarchy is because of our ability to tell stories that is why the homo erectus and the the neanderthals didn't make it is because they didn't have the same communicative power with narrative to be able to and that's the power of religion like religion is like the most powerful force and yuval's not actually against religion but he'd also say that capitalism is a religion our understanding of economics is religious right when we step into a foot when someone goes to watch Liverpool or Chelsea, like that, that is a church service in its own way with its own priests and priestesses, you know? And so, but, but it's like our power of narrative has made us what we are. And so you can't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. What I'm hearing you talk about now is definitely is the lens with which you're talking about how you used to believe as well. You're yeah. looking at it like these are stories that I was told. These are stories that I believed. And this led me to see the world and engage with the world and engage with people in a particular way. So it sounds like you are a very long stone's throw, a catapult away f- from that perspective now. And you're looking back on it with like this very hindsight, more like yeah. I'm definitely hearing like an evolutionist, uh, what what's the word? D like uh, non anthropocentric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah like totally, humans totally. aren't at the center. I can yeah. hear you kind of bringing in some of these ideas, but um, we're going. We're c- probably going to end up there. So you were traveling the world then, um, and that began to do what? Yeah, like I suddenly felt like I could spread my wings. Like I was like, I'll stay in the Adventist world, you know. Um, you know, it's comfortable, but I was so open. I broke up with my girlfriend who was a very conservative Adventist Korean girl at the time. And, and that's when I was on tour in Brazil and I, my music started getting a lot of traction in South America in parts of Europe and in the States that whole year. I was just going around the world, just doing laps, lots of carbon emissions, but I ended up in Brazil. (laughs) Um, my first tour in Brazil, I actually started watching, I was just really curious. I had so much time. All I would do was play shows, work my social media, and then I would literally, um, you know, just, you know, play shows again, sleep, eat, you know, whatever. But it was, it was bizarre because I was in this place where I had so much time and I had Wi-Fi. And so I started watching like a lot of Richard Dawkins. <laughs> like, um, oh, yeah. yeah. And so I was kind of, I was just kind just of like... Just to like disprove him or be like, oh, this guy's wrong. I want to find out or... Yeah, I was just flirting with it. I was just kind of like, you know what? I've got nothing to lose. Like, what is this? And I started looking at debates and stuff. And just, it just kind of started like, I'm like, wow. Like, how can I go into these conversations with non-judgment? Um, how can I just take my judgmental, eschatological, Adventist programming, those glasses off just for a second and just kind of just tease it, you know? But then I'd have 
Yeah. I'd get to a point, but then I'd go back and sing at these big, massive Adventist youth co- um, concerts. So there was, again, this cognitive yeah. dissonance of like, this world loves me. I'm kind of becoming like semi-famous in that world now. I'm selling thousands of albums and um, <laughs> I'm a poster boy. I'm getting put on these big like banners around the country. It was just really weird. And yeah. I was on TV and yeah. and so... I, but th- so there was there was a cost if I was to kind of go this path, then I'm going to lose this whole world. You'd you know? lose that. And so, but yeah. and so again, I got offered a pastoring job in this in America, and I took it. And then, then it, it kept me back in that world again. It was kind of this back and forth. And I went to the most conservative Adventist church. It was so weird that I ended up there after all of my travels. So old Billy. Old Billy would have been like at home in this church yeah. that you ended up in, but you weren't mentally in the same space anymore. Yeah. yeah. And so part of me was like, you know, loving it because people were so lovely and I was kind of like seen as a little demigod, rock star, Adventist conservative youth preacher. Like, like people loved me in that yeah. church, I think. You were the Carl Lentz of Adventism. Yeah. Right? And I was still getting flown around the country <laughs> for different things, but... Still, part of me was like, three weeks in, was like, I can't do this long term. Like, I have to do music. And there's something that's really weird. And when I was actually working as an Adventist pastor, I began to see just the trappings and the vestiges of archaic theology and what it does to people, to be honest. So, is that your, it was like your personal experience with people that, that brought yeah. that out do you reckon or? just how judgmental things were and like i love my crew there but it was just like how how much my young people were suffering from what how their parents would speak to them and from what elders right. would say to them i was just kind of like why am i part of this world i'm trying to make it cool i'm trying to make it more relaxed and more open-minded but like it's going to yeah. take years it's going to take generations to steer this ship into a more calm conscious shore it's interesting that you keep coming back to this idea of like judgmentalism. This, yeah. this seems yeah. to be a, a theme that both triggered you at the top of being like, this is a very judgmental space. Yeah. And then hearing your experience, it's a common theme that, that's coming across. Yeah, it's driven both you, you dive into fundamentalism, but then also out of it. Yeah, <laughs> like it sounds like you felt so judged always, even when you were trying to yeah. be the most correct human, that that is what you first started to go, well, this has hurt me so badly yeah. and yeah. I can now see it within myself. And like you said before, as you were watching Dawkins, you were like, well, I don't want to be what's hurt me so much, which is judgmental. Yeah. And so it's trying to deconstruct that judgmentalism within you that brought you to kind of talk, Listen to Dawkins as judgmental less as you can. Completely. Um, Does that sound like a common theme I'm pulling out there? Yeah. Yeah, fully, man. Um, Because, yeah, I felt like a massive part that had to die as part of my ego was was classification, putting things on the spectrum of like, you know, is it true or is it not? And just being like, how can I be a child again? I started reading a lot of Stoic philosophy that year. And... It was actually diving into like Marcus Aurelius and Seneca that I began to see that there's, there's so much beauty and so much knowledge and insight and awareness that's from outside my tribe. And I'm like, wait a minute. This was written at the same time of Paul. Some of it was written at the same time of Jesus. And I'm like, man, these guys were saying really similar things and it's beautiful and it's as empowering, maybe more practical for my life as a man. Like, this is amazing. But I felt kind of sinful. I was kind of like, why do we, I enjoy reading 
stoicism so much and not reading the book of Romans yeah. as much. So part of me was <laughs> yeah, like yeah. kind of conflicted with these back and forths of like, yeah, like there yeah. has to be something bigger to this. And I, I began to see that consciousness goes beyond one tribe, that there is like a universe yeah. of consciousness and yeah, conscious yeah. awareness. Yeah. yeah. So what, I, what I'm hearing is that you pick up as you started exploring different ideas and different thinkers and different different writings and things like that, you found really similar ideas to what you found, like say in the Bible, for example. Yeah. And some of those ideas were even more practical to your life than what you could find in the Bible. Yeah. And you're like, well, hold on, there's like truth outside in this, like yeah. in say the Quran, for example, there's truth there. Why is why is the Bible so exclusive to this truth? Is that would that be fairly accurate? Yeah, like, completely, man. As a result, that that opened you up. Yeah. That that opened you up to um sort of trusting more, would you say? Yeah. In, in other th- other thought ideas. And I began stuff? to kind of observe my journey, my own thoughts and observing my own journey and just feeling like, man, it feels like I've been in the dark ages where the Catholic Church was just burning books, you know? Um, Nazi Germany, burning books, you know? It's just kind of like this thing. If we can't be curious, if we, like, a real freedom is an intuitive freedom. And it's like Jesus even said that if you want to see the kingdom of heaven, you have to become like a child. Like, (laughs) he doesn't say become like a scholar or become like, you know, it's like really you have, and a child can trust a child is is playful is having fun a child walks outside doesn't care what he's wearing he's just kind of like wow butterflies and i think for me then was just this whole pool of freedom and glory because i was just kind of like wow like i don't have to be scared but i guess i was inhibited because i was an adventist pastor so i didn't want to talk about this and i I was still getting paid by congregation and by denomination to to give a certain message. And so I was really conflicted. And so it was my partner, Chrissy, that was just like, Billy, you've just got to be honest with yourself. You can't be paid by the system if, you, if your heart's not in it. And if you can't with good conscience adhere to that creed like you used to. And, like, right. and so I didn't want to come across like someone that I wasn't. And I think that's some of the rock and roll inside of me of like, I just, I want to be me. Like you're in this new place. Like it's sort of, how, do you, how did old Billy, um, the fundamentalist view the current Billy, as you are now, how, how would he have seen you? Um, and then also talk about yourself now, looking back at fundamentalism. Yeah, so I think um, if I was, you know, Billy, um, you know, five, six years ago, let's go back to when I was in a Venice um, chaplain, for example. Um, or yep. which, which phase of my life, really conservative? Re- you want to go like from my really conservative days, how I'd view myself now? Yeah, you why can not? give different pinpoints of yeah, timelines. Yeah, you like, can flag it, yeah. Conservative Billy, liberal, cool Christian Billy, and now <laughs> like why? progressive evolutionist even, woo Billy. Even this conversation is a bit of a joke because I bet you there's so many people that would just be like, heck, like Billy's such a joke because he's tried so many different pathways. <laughs> like, where is he now? <laughs> like, I don't even care. For me, I'm kind of like this wandering... Well, you're putting it all to rest for everybody. I'm just this wandering pronking gazelle that's just finding his way, you know? Like, and yeah, like yeah. I, Leaping I, through the universe. I, I do love that about myself, that like I've been brave enough to take things on. And if I'm going to commit to something, I'll go all in, you know? And so I don't oh, judge nice. myself and hate myself over like, why did I go down this bloody path? Cool. You know, it's like, for That's me, it's, good, it's a beautiful man. part of my, my trying to figure out myself, you know? And so, but yeah, um, going mm. back to when I was like, okay, let's go back um, 12 years ago, very conservative, most conservative season of my life. 
I would see myself now, um, I would see the current Billy as very lost, a beautiful person that I'd like to hang out with and like to surf with, might even secretly listen to his music but not talk about it because his music isn't <laughs> critical. <laughs> well, it's good you're making music that you like. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd appreciate that he was vegan vegetarian. Um, I'd appreciate oh, that, he, that he takes care of God's creation. But I think I would see him as lost in the new age. I remember reading a book when I was younger called Deceived by the New Age. And I think anything connected, I was so warned by ministers that don't go near meditation or, um, right. you know, certain practices that are about what they would call emptying your mind, which I don't believe that's yeah, what meditation yeah, yeah. is. But yeah, or opening right. yourself to any like teachings from the Tao or Zen masters or, um, you know, anything from, traditions. yeah, or, or participating in yoga. Like I thought that was satanic back in the day. Um, right. And so I also well, love you're in listening. Byron, so I assume you're regularly doing yoga. Yeah, like I, I, I at least do. Like I honestly did like a good solid down downward facing dog before this chat just to get the the blood <laughs> rushing my mate. brain. Stop bragging, <laughs> But you know, like I definitely would see. Man, he's lost. He's part of the occult. He listens to occult bands like Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd, and so he's lost. Um, but I love him as a brother. But um, yeah, I'd invite I'd invite the current Billy towards um to like a, you know, to like a hang with my other cool Adventist surfing friends, you know. But I would definitely right. see myself mm-hmm. as lost, completely lost. Yeah. But still yeah, soft right. enough, because I think that I'm a soft human. I'd say that I'm a kind human, yep. and I think that yep. I would see myself as like he still could hear the gospel. His heart isn't hard towards the truth, but uh, right, he's okay. a bit of a work yep. in progress and. You He's know, not completely yeah, yeah. lost. Your, your fertile ground for the seed to exactly. fall Exactly. <laughs> Somewhat like a low-hanging fruit, but like deeply, yeah, yeah. deeply <laughs> deceived. Um, but I think okay. before going okay. into my house, going into current Billy's house, I would definitely like want to pray and have people pray over me because I would probably think that Billy's house... I can house, see some records behind you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would definitely want... Um, to, to cleanse, you know, um, you know, I'd want to pray because I think that maybe Billy's house might have some evil spirits. Okay. Right. Just because I make rock okay. music and just because I do yoga. So yeah, you, yeah. you don't only listen to it, mate. You yeah. make you it. You make it. You I would also it. assume that the current Billy like sleeps with a lot of women. I'd assume that even though <laughs> <laughs> I've only ever slept with one person my whole life. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I'd also yeah, assume yeah. Well, I'd assume that Billy like would drink a lot and would just have really loose friends. They were just things that I'd assume as well. Yeah. Okay. And um, what yeah. about flipping that? How does Billy now see Billy back then? Yeah. And so Billy now, I just see Billy back when I was nineteen as very cute, and I would just be like, oh, yeah. "Man, what a beautiful little boy! Like he's he's so you just cute. ruffle his hair. I'd ruffle his hair like I'd tackle him. <laughs> I would just try to tell him to say like. You know, like a, a, a bad word. You know, I just I'd, I'd mess with him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'd mess with him. Oh, real nice, yeah. real nice of you, Billy. Yeah, so human would, you I would, are. I would know something about conservative Billy's rock and roll past from when he was fourteen and fifteen. So I'd just be like, dude, right. come on. Yeah. 
Loose you enjoyed that show Stop we played me. at that Pentecostal church. You loved it, mate. You were rocking no. out on the bass. Conrad was in the crowd being like, oh, Billy's yeah. so and cool. Honestly, <laughs> I would honestly see little Billy as like on a journey. Like, and I'd, I'd try to come in with non-jerk yeah. judgment and I wouldn't want to see myself as a spiritual elite because I think that's a deception that I've also had as well. Is like you go from oh. one fundamentalism to another and you're like, oh, now I meditate for an hour a day. And so like I'm levitating. Like, where are you with your consciousness? It's like... You know, yeah. And so I, the same fundamentalism can go from a conservative Adventist structure into this so-called New Age, more spiritualism, where the mechanism behaves the same. If you meditate, you just replace Bible reading and Ellen White with meditating and and being super vegan, and you're still a fundamentalist. Broken humans that are like yogis and like meditation teachers, like so many. It's like interesting. They can all be masks, and that's the thing. It's not about choosing one tribe. another i would see young billy as on a journey and like he's little billy is like beautifully reading his bible he's not going out and fucking heaps of chicks all the time like he's (laughs) he's 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 with his sacred text he loves his family like he's a beautiful boy you know i'd just be like i love his heart you know and you know when he tries to win me over and he's trying to baptize me i just love him you know it's great it's not my journey you just ruffle his hair and tackle him billy i've been there mate you know this (laughs) (laughs) Um, generally known as Chris is saying, do you levitate? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't levitate. <laughs> <laughs> He'll get there though. An hour a day yeah. Yeah. makes but the levitation away. <laughs> in, in all of, all of this guys, like I, I actually love the person of Jesus and I want to become more like Jesus. And I believe in the Christ mm. consciousness and I love the new Testament. And, and I think that, um, you know, coming to the Bible with fresh eyes and not trying to read my theologies into it. I'm just kind of like, I'm present with the text and I can just be like, man, the book of John is still one of my favorite books ever. And John 17 is all about us knowing the true heart of the divine. It's so good. And I could quote so much of it. And, you know, to, for me to like negate my history and negate my knowledge of that sacred text and of that sacred, those sacred practices <clears throat> and that faith tradition, like would be so silly. Um, because I, I definitely, um, believe that you know God has like spoken to me through the Bible, yeah. And so like I'm 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 pro going to church, I'm pro the Bible, but I also do yoga, and I'm you know also very much into my spiritual practice now. But it's like, how can I maintain tradition and ritual, but also maintain curiosity and growth? Because um, at the end of the day, like I don't care if someone's a yogi or if they're a Mormon. Like, are you kind? Are you fucking kind? Like, do you care about suffering? You know, like, these are the bigger questions. My mom is like the most conservative, flat earth, end times, Adventist you could ever meet, (laughs) non-Trinitarian. But she's like reached like a Zen state because she's like the most kind human that loves her former Muslim family Mm. that betrayed her to prison, you know, um, because of her leaving faith. You know, it's like my mom has reached this nirvana of like care and compassion and like, I want to be like her. Like, so there's not one way. I don't think there's one path. I don't see things as linear. I don't see hierarchy and patriarchy. I see this and it's beautiful. I'm part of this ecosystem. The universe is me. I'm part of the universe. I'm part of nature. The nature is me and it's beautiful. It it all connects and it's all one. So I'm i I'm sensing and hearing a lot of like this emphasis on non-judgment inclusion 
openness, but Christ. also like yeah. this sense of accepting the history you have, the the Christian language that you come from, it's instrumental within you. And I, it doesn't sound like you've you've become this Dawkins grade atheist against it, being yeah. like, this is useless. Because would you say that your previous belief system was entirely useless? Like, is there anything within it that you've stuck with and you found very beneficial within that even the most hardest times that you yeah, had man. as more fundamentalist within within these incredible partisan systems i think there's so much to take away and for me like i always knew that i was special because god loved me growing up and and that was like a huge part of me to feel like even though i grew up in newcastle and everyone's like fuck man gotta drive a hilux gotta play footy and that's how you become a man I always knew that i could transcend that within myself because god loved me as a son and Right. There were certain pictures that I had about the universe that were like, I'm not alone. You know, there is this divine essence that is, is so connected to me and pursuing me. And that's what I believed. And I think there's, there's beauty in that. I would still want to think that I'd, I treat people like they are a son or daughter of the divine. And, and I right. do see that divine so, essence in people. And I think that that's what I, I found that from the Christian tradition, but you can find that from other traditions as well. But that's definitely a gem of, of beauty, beauty and kindness that I've taken away. Um, yeah. You're, you're, you're saying like that religion you grew up with was an alternative to the quote unquote religion of society, which might be money, which might be fame, which might be the Commodore Ute, which might be doing burnouts in Newcastle. Um, like there's a culture and, and a, and a picture of the universe that the society has as a whole. And you're saying that there's this benefit of when you say and adhere to like, oh, but there's also another way. It sounds like you're saying that that gave you a sense of freedom from that religious dogma, the secular religious dogma, so to speak. And it gave you another option to the point now where you go, oh, okay, now it's not this religious dogma or that one. There's also other other realities that you can build a picture yeah. of if that makes sense it's like we're both from newcastle bro we go back there and it's such a religious city in its yeah. own way like there's a way you know you should have like i should have gotten a trade in some ways i should have become a builder i should have um got a house if you want to earn money yeah <laughs> you know i should have you know played for my local rugby league team and i should have had a girl and had my white picket there's certain like regiments and 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 a certain beer yeah. culture and a connection to the coal mining yeah. industry. Um, there's all these life religious axioms that, that you line to. up. Yeah. And and that's okay. There's, there's, there's beauty pockets in all of those things. But, but I think as well, like my friend, Kyle Leinhardt, who you're, you're a big fan of his music. Like we had this chat the other yeah. day. He's come from atheism. I've come from Adventism. And he's like, dude, there's so much that I miss out on that you have and that you had, you had, and you have to this day that I'm still only yeah. just starting to understand in myself like Sabbath ritual, like I still believe in Sabbath rest and it's beautiful because like right now we're not thinking about getting into the office. Most of us that, are, you know, you and I, Conrad, particularly like I, I, for me, at least I've kept that, that, that liturgy of like, I'd like to space out my Saturdays as a day mm -hmm. for creation mm -hmm. and a day for prayer, meditation and special connection with my humans. Um, you right. know, um, I and love that came from your tradition. And there's so much in the sacred text of the Bible that I, I was a big memorizer and I could memorize like some chapters of the Bible. And so there's so many things that I take from that. I think, I think, you know, my Christianity brought people together 
although it was a tribal way, like I've never sensed such a sense of connection as to things like big camp and witnessing a person's baptism that to me, like we leave church, right? If we leave church, we also leave so much ritual. We don't have that, that rite of passage and we don't have eldership. We lose it unless we're connected to first nations people. Like we lose that. And once you lose ritual, like how do you find those patterns? Um, yeah. So yeah, man, like I'm, I'm all about it. I'm all about faith. Interesting. Yeah, I right. think, you know, we could do a whole another episode on like the valuable things that you are describing now that you still hold on to that you were handed within it. Yeah. And I keep coming back to that, that idea I keep seeing within. It sounds like the thing you struggled with most was the how you held those beliefs with you yeah. when you held them with a tight fist, finding belonging in being perfect and finding belonging in the right way. You felt a sense of, uh, I guess, a sense of peace in having full of, in having certainty, but then you also found a lot of judgment and a lot of anxiety in doing the right thing in adhering to this very specific way. Um, but you've you've still. I guess you're in a completely different theological space. It sounds like it definitely doesn't sound uh, very fundamental at all. It, but it also, I am also still hearing some influence of where you've come from and some acceptance. And now you're finding and noticing the beauty of what you were handed and almost adding to it in a way. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the thing, man. It's like. Um you know, for, for myself and for my partner, like Chrissy, she, she came from a lot of like Pentecostal trauma, like speaking in tongues for four hours when she was eight, right. trying to resurrect her dead cat because her mum said that they could like yeah. pray to bring their cat back to life oh, or whatever. And it's just kind of like, we've both come with these things and it has impacted our relationship, like certain like, oh, but we've got to know the truth and oh, you know, and like all this certainty right. stuff. But the more that we've come to re reflect on our past and our deconstruction is like, the biggest thing is like, how can we hold our theology kind of lightly? Like it sounds right. so contradictory to the programmed yeah. Christian. Cause you know, but this is the truth and the truth sets me free. And the way to heaven is narrow. Jesus is a, tr you know, it's just kind of like, yeah. yeah. And they're great. Hold them. But also in your other hand, just keep it, keep it open and just be like an open mind, a soft heart, holding those beautiful gems lightly playing with them, dancing with them. Like, yeah. uh, so it's not so much that the ideas that you had were wrong in any empirical yeah. sense. It's just that the way that you believed them, you didn't find much value in. Yeah. You didn't find accurate? much peace and yeah. much freedom in it, which ultimately pushed you out of it. I don't know if Jesus ever thought that there was going to be like this giant organized, you know, massive billion dollar franchise of a religion behind his legacy like i don't think he, he thought that that was going to be the thing like i think that jesus was, was more about the here and now and <laughs> and 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 this earth and this home um and was very into consciousness jesus says why do you think of tomorrow why do you keep your, your head in tomorrow like look at the birds look at the sparrows and um, they're so present jesus would make these connections to nature and i think it's like once you can come to the Bible with new eyes, once you can kind of just hold 
you know, your, your traditions and your axioms and your creeds lightly. It's kind of like you become more open to, wow, I can listen to someone. I'm not trying to be this missionary and there's someone I'm trying to save. It's like you come on this equal egalitarian playing field. You come as a family. You're talking, um, you're talking like conscience to conscience, not ego to ego. It's soul to soul. So what I'm hearing is that you're not actually, um, you're not, trying to convert anyone in inverted commas you're like because you were talking about before as well where you would you were learning so many different things from other teachers and stuff and it sort of became a thing where you you're now at a point where you can learn from and speak to people where they're at without any sort of pretense coming into it oh it's so good like um like Chrissy's family, for example, my partner's family is very conservative, evangelical, West Coast, kind of white privilege American. And, you know, they've kind of liked the Billy vibe. Sometimes they don't, but I come from a place of grace because I'm like, you know, like it's not my job to try and convince them about myself. And they've also come from a certain heritage with certain values and certain trauma. And you just kind of come from that place of like, there's there isn't one certainty of why there's disconnect or connection, but like all I can be is love, you know? Um, you know, like, and, and I think when it comes to your fellow man and, you know, like the way I connect with people now, like I feel like I can connect with someone's heartbeat on a whole different level because I'm present with their discovery and I'm trusting their own sovereignty and their own agency to navigate the divine and it's beautiful and I'm not trying to convince them of mine because I think that is elitist and I think that's a colonial way to go about it is like, fuck, I'm going to come here from Holland. I'm going to go to Indonesia, you know, and we're going to work out a trade deal and you better believe in Jesus or we're going to kill you. And or, make you know, them it's like, like us. Is that what you mean by colonialism? Like we're going to come and you're going to be like us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, like the amount of times, for example, like I wanted to talk about purity because it's, it's crazy for me to think about now, but the purity gospel, how much I would judge someone if I knew that they looked at porn, you know, or like if they, right. if they had slept with their partner, like immediate putting that someone on the spectrum. And I was so yeah. programmed, like I said, like I didn't look at porn or masturbate for like six years. And I'm talking in my twenties, like the hype. Yeah. I had like semen coming out of my ears. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's a picture for you. I was like, attractive I'm person find that on a website. in skinny yeah, jeans. Like, what's happening to my we, body? We, we might actually uh, change the clickbait for this one. Semen <laughs> <laughs> coming out of my ears. <laughs> yeah. That'll get the thing <laughs> is, it's just bizarre that, like, again, it's one of those doctrines that, that I really held on to so much that brought a lot of, again, judgment. Judgment on myself. I feel, I feel like when we judge others, it's only an overflow of the judgment that we have for ourselves. And so if I'd, I, oh, I thought about boobs, oh my goodness. And I'd go through this flagellant thing where I was almost like whipping my back like a Franciscan monk, you know, just like, it's just like this guilt feedback loop. Like, man, like I feel like that's again, like how much that corrupted my sense of bodily beauty and the way that I saw myself. Like, I feel like now, like the other day I was swimming in the ocean. I was diving with some boys off this reef in Sydney. I just held my body and I was just hugging my body and I almost just said sorry to my body for how many terrible things I've said to it. I just held it. I was just like, man, like I love being me and sexuality is an energy. Like, I'm not even saying like, 
like I'm very careful about interactions with people and like I haven't been on a crazy sexual journey but I'm just saying as an example the impact that fundamentalism had on the way that I saw my body and sensual energy and the toll that that took on my relationship and still the reprogramming of like I've only the seen purity culture that says purity your, culture your body that is kind evil. of destroyed so much of my freedom you know that's definitely something we could definitely talk about and yeah and dive hold another chat I can I can as as we wrap this up. It's been awesome to talk to you. Um, you talk about yoga, meditation. You know what people might call these new age ideas, but then you also might be triggering a lot of people because you're dropping Bible yeah. verses, talking about how you aspire to be like Jesus. Very Christian yeah. things that Christians would get on board with. Now I can hear people asking and answer yeah. this how you want, but this question is in the universe, and some people may ask it to categorize and box to see if you're okay to listen to or not. Um, but some people might just genuinely ask it to, be, to to wonder how you sit and how you would describe yeah. your own journey. But answer it how you like. Are you a Christian then? Yeah. Um, as much as much nuance as you like. You don't have to yes or no it like at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd say like a Christian mystic. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that that label still is helpful for you for describing. It still has value. Oh, it's not really like yeah. you see. I, the world. I honestly never say that. I would never like. Okay. You okay. know, yeah. some people are like some fans from Brazil, like uh, "Você é Adventista," and I'm like, sure. Like, we want to play. Am yeah. I a Newcastle Knights fan? Sure. Like, yeah. Like I don't, yeah. It's to me, it's still language. It's still that mammalian. Yeah, you don't need the box. But if somebody wants to call you that, then you're okay with it sort of thing. Like, you don't need the label personally. Is that yeah, what I'm hearing? Yeah, sure. Like, like, the immediacy when someone says, I'm actually... No, there's no one that comes up to you and says, Hey, my name's, my name's Fred. I'm gay. And I do psychedelics mm. once a month. Um, yeah, so, call, mm, you know, yeah. it's kind of like you don't, you don't talk to people like that. You know, like... Yeah. Except when it comes to religion, yeah. it's kind of like, but what are you? Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, yeah, like I don't even like saying, yeah, I'm a surfer. Yeah. It's kind of like, again, it's the ego trying to protect itself. <laughs> I do that all the time, Billy. I know. Is that not good? good? It's a good card to drop because surfers are cool, like on a universal scale. But I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I'm an ocean lover. I, I love the ocean. It's a yeah. doing thing for me. It's like, it's a relationship. I'm, I'm, I'm part of the ocean. I think I am, you know? And yeah. so, um, and it's the same thing. Oh, but Billy's an eco-warrior. And I'm like, really? But what is that? It's kind of like, I love nature. Like, I protect nature. Mm. Again, people are trying yeah. to classify me in the environmental world, in the religious world, in the socio-political world. Like, what do you think of Trump? It's like, I don't know. He's probably an awesome human. Like, I don't know. Like, um, but on all these levels, I don't know if it's part of like the, the reptilian brain that's in this like, this fight or flight kind of thing. It's trying to like figure out what it can connect with and who it can trust and for me like i would just rather like i'm billy and like i i'm i'm, I'm a human and i love doing art and i love people and i love protecting mother nature like it's great um and i think it's just kind of like for me like i can have so many more conversations with people it's not even a shame thing because people are like oh billy's just ashamed he doesn't want to say he's christian i'm like yeah but like say that you're a christian in certain parts of the world where they've had the crusades and people can recount their ancestors that were slaughtered by thousands of Christian yeah. troops. It's like language can be painful. It's like, yeah, right. Yeah. It's like, 
Yeah, it can be so triggering for some people. Whereas this language of where you say, like, yeah, Christian mystic, I might, I might go by that. Where is that language then helpful for you? Um, just because um, I've come from the Christian tradition and it's a beautiful celebration and acknowledgement of my heritage, the legacy that's been passed down to me. Like, I think it's great. Um, a lot of my mm. world has come from that world. I, I, I don't go to the mosque if I'm going to go for experience. Like, I'll go to yoga or go to a church. You know, so mm. yeah, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm well versed in the Bible, um, culture. But, but I'm a mystic in the sense that I'm connected to, um, the Franciscan monks, monks and to, um, to, um, I'll go to like the Sufis and I'm connected to yeah. Aboriginal spirituality because I'm a mystic, a mystic can see beyond the walls of fundamentalism and see the connection of all things and the connection to country, um, and the right. transcendence of the divine and, and the divine in all and in you all. Like it's, it's beautiful. So for me, I feel like that, that becomes a bit of a safe card to like, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm part of this, this, this human and this transhuman experience of connecting to the divine and call it essence, call it isness, call it God. I'm part of that yeah. cycle and that circle it's not one line i think it's just i think it's circles and i think it's a beautiful yeah, thing and there's yeah. unknown there's known mm. um but all i can know is that i'm a i'm a curvature of consciousness i'm just i'm just part of this thing for a time and that's beautiful enough for me mm -hmm. yeah, it, it sounds it sounds like you used to once upon a time use language to categorize who was in, who was out and, and who is right and who is wrong. And it sounds much more, you use language a lot more metaphorically and descriptively now to try and communicate and some form connection as and form connections division. and describe certain things rather yeah. than use it to draw lines in the sand yeah. of who's in and who's out. Yeah. hundred percent, man. Yeah. Like, and okay. Like some of you might see me in church in a week's time and I'll, I'll be there. I'll be loving you and I'll close my eyes. I'll be on the scripture. Beautiful. And I'll be completely present. And that's why I think it's so powerful. If you can come back to liturgy, it's not so much about, well, do you still believe what we believe? It's like, no, but I'm still here to like break bread with you and experience communion with you. And that is the combining yeah. thing is we're coming back yeah. to this picture of Jesus, this picture of sacrifice you know, breaking from that one loaf, drinking that fake wine <laughs> and having that <laughs> symbolic ceremony of like, yeah, we're all in this together and it's beautiful. Forgive your brother. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so these things have become more meaning, like the same things seem to have become more meaningful for you, but in a completely different way. Yeah. And I think that's the reason why I can still connect with most people in my family. It's like, and we're not worried about each other. It's like, we come back on these terms and we come back to the sacred table and we still pray together. Yep. Um, but there still is that, that yep. room to move. It's not this or that. It's both. And, um, mm -hmm. and it's not like mm -hmm. you just suddenly open your mind up to everything and everything. Like that's also dangerous mm -hmm. too. It's like, it's growing into that inner voice, um, and finding what works and yeah. So and I think like, and it really combats a lot of that draconian kind of culture that I grew up with in my home where my dad literally taking books out of my mum's bag that he didn't believe that were, were good for her mind and for a theology. Like literally like I've come from a wow. home where there's such a stigma around curiosity. And, but I think that that is, 
if you're gonna like mute someone's curiosity, you kill their humanity. That um, guys, the most important thing that I'd love you to take away. If you hate me, that's alright. If you love what's been said, that's okay as well. But just, I'm all about presence. Write it down on your hand. If you've got a biro, just be like presence. I feel like that that is a word that's going to unlock a lot of, um, you know, vestiges. You know, um, you know, analyzing things from your past that. Because like there's certain belief systems that are going to take away from this moment. Um, but I think Jesus was all about the now. And yeah. the powerful thing about breath work and meditation and even prayer is that it unlocks a part of your brain where you are about this. It's not about that. It's about this. It's not about yesterday. It's not about tomorrow. It's about this moment. Where are you? When, pe when people say what time it is, just say to them, here. And when people say, where are you? Just say, this moment. Like this, this moment and here is, is everything. And I think that just unlocks yeah. so much awareness and joy and ground of being. So yeah, heaps of love. If you get to the end of this and you're wondering like, oh, do I agree or I disagree? Well, yeah. we're really, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's not really the point. Hopefully we've been able to outline how Billy sees the world, his journey, where he's come from, where he is now. If you have any questions that you'd like to send through to Billy, he's just on Instagram. Billy, you've got music on Spotify, Instagram. How do people check out what you're doing and what you're up to? Yeah, guys, I'm also starting a podcast that's going to be way better than yours. Oh, yeah. damn it. <laughs> it's called The Beginning of Us and it's launching in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I've got a new cool. album coming out later this year. Um, yeah, lots of YouTube stuff as well. Like we're not doing shows at the moment. So otherwise, I'd talk to you about tours and stuff I'm doing. They're probably going to be cancelled anyway because okay. of COVID. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. write to me over Instagram or um, check out my website, okay. billyottolive.com. And there's heaps of content and ways to interact with my craft. Yeah, if you want me to produce yeah, your music, cool. yeah, just hit me up and yeah, we'll work on some beats. If you have any questions or anyone you think we should talk to or topic ideas, we want to follow the rabbit holes that you send us down. Yeah. So send us an email at ideasdigest at gmail.com. That's right, it's at gmail. No one can afford a, a proper <laughs> URL here. And if you can always reach, us out, reach out to us on Instagram. We've got some interactive things during the week where we find out what you guys are thinking and, and where we want to go next. So yeah. thanks for listening to the show and we'll catch everyone in the next episode.